I greet you again in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're going to get right into our next session. Uh, my topic this afternoon will be the millennial reign of Christ, and I want you to just bow your hearts with me as we ask the Lord to take us in. Father, we love you tonight, this afternoon. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. I thank you so much for the Word of God. And uh, this evening, we just, we just ask, oh God, you rest upon this session, Lord. Holy Spirit, open unto us the Scriptures. Cause the Word of God to, to come alive. Lord, let it burn within our hearts and spirit as you open unto us your Word. And Lord, this afternoon, we give you all the honor and all the glory. And we thank you for this glorious event that every saint will participate in. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The millennial reign of Christ. I love this teaching so much because uh, as a Christian, uh, every one of us will literally be a part of this event. And uh, we're going to see some beautiful things here. We bring up the prophecy chart again. And if you notice in the chart there, we had the midpoint where we talked about the great tribulation. I shared again about the second coming of Christ, where Christ will literally come back. And as Christ come back, we'll we'll come back with him to go into his millennial kingdom or this thousand year uh, reign of Christ. Now, we have a number of topics I'm going to deal with this afternoon, and we're going to hit them pretty, pretty fast. But we're going to look at what is the millennial reign. I like to define a subject first. We'll look at the order of events leading to Christ's rule. We'll look at different views uh, that are taught uh, regarding this period. We'll look at the promise of his reign, as well as promise of the saints reigning with Christ. We'll see the scriptural basis. We'll actually look at uh, Revelation chapter 20, and we'll see the scriptural basis for the millennium. And then we'll close up with the living conditions of the millennial reign. And again, it's going to be a great, great teaching. Now, what is the millennial reign of Christ? And first of all, I want to define the term millennium because, again, it's one of those words that, again, a lot of people may not understand. And I do like the ABCs of prophets. I like to, I like to define things. So the term millennium is taken from two Latin words, milli, which means 1,000, and annum, which means years. When the words are combined, the word simply means one thousand years, or the millennial reign of Christ is a 1,000 literal year, years reign of Christ. Uh, there are many people today that don't really believe that Christ will physically come back uh, to physically reign, but we're going to see this afternoon that he must come back and he will reign. Now, you may say, well, Brother Perkins, uh, I thought when Christ come back, he's going to rule forever. Well, he will rule forever, but we got to see that God has, uh, has ordained a thousand year period uh, in prophecy, and uh, that period will accomplish something again in the program of God. So we're going to see that uh, this afternoon, and uh, it's going to be wonderful. This period of time in which Christ, Jesus Christ will reign on the earth for 1,000 years in fulfillment of many prophecies. During this rule of Christ, Satan will be bound and sealed in the bottomless pit so he'll have no influence in the earth to deceive mankind. And I really love that part of prophecy here because during the millennial kingdom, uh, God is going to bind the devil. Satan will be cast into his bottom, into a bottomless pit, and there he will have no influence during the time of the millennial kingdom. Uh, even though there will still be sin in the millennium, uh, Satan's influence won't be there. And a man that's sin in the millennium, he can't say the devil made me do it. Uh, the devil won't be around during that time, and we'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about that in regards to uh, why. At, the time, uh, at this time, Jesus Christ will rule the entire world, 
and he will be king of kings and king of kings and lord of lords. He will sit on the throne of King David, uh, ruling Israel. Now, we know that Christ came the first time and uh, the Jews held him king. Uh, they threw the palm branches in front of him. But we know he never physically officiated as king and ruler uh, on the throne of David. He never really sat on the throne of David. But that's a physical prophecy that literally uh, must come to pass. So Christ will, will fulfill that prophecy. Now, I want to quote again Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost in his book, Things That Come. Listen to what he says regarding the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial period would be a period of the full manifestation of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. There would be the manifestation of the glory associated with the humanity of Christ. There would be the glory of, a, of the glorious dominion in which Christ, by virtue of, of his obedience unto death, is given full dominion to replace that dominion which Adam lost. That would be the glory of the glorious government in which Christ, as David's son, is given absolute power to govern. That would be the, the glorious, uh, glorious, I mean, that would be the glory of the glorious in, uh, inheritance in which the land and the seed promised to Abraham are realized through Christ. This is going to be an awesome time uh, in this millennial kingdom. Christ is going to literally rule and reign. I want to quote Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, John Walvert. Listen to what he says. Advocates of this view hold that the millennial period of Christ in which uh, uh, the millennial period uh, uh, the millennial, the millennial period in which Christ is, will literally reign on the earth as a supreme political leader and that many promises of the Old Testament relating to, to a kingdom on earth in which Israel will be prominent and, and the Gentiles will be blessed will have complete and literal fulfillment because the distinctive char character of this millennial reign of Christ is maintained in contrast to the present age this view is sometimes designated as a dispensational interpretation. In other words, uh, it's, a, it's a period of time that God has ordained in Scripture. Uh, this millennial kingdom, this thousand-year government, this thousand-year reign, Christ will literally sit on the throne as the political leader. You know, uh, we're living in a time now where uh, we need true political leaders. Uh, the world today does not really understand government. Uh, we know that because we have uh, lawmakers that make laws that are contrary to God. Uh, we truly need uh, true biblical leaders. Well, at the time of the millennial kingdom, Jesus will sit on the throne of David as the leader of the world. And again, uh, it's going to be a blessed, a blessed event for the redeemed. Now, let's look at the order of events leading to Christ's rule. And we'll see some beautiful things. I bring the chart in again because, again, God has a divine order uh, from which the tribulation into the millennium. So there's an order of events. Uh, I shared uh, earlier in the tribulation message that uh, the close of the, of the tribulation period will be the second coming of Christ. So again, we'll see the order of events leading us right to that time. And first of all, we have the second coming of Christ, which I love so much. Here, the Savior, Jesus Christ, will literally come back uh, physically uh, upon, white uh, upon a white horse. You know, I, I shared earlier that Jesus, he rode into Jerusalem as king based on Zechariah's prophecy. Uh, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, they declared him king of, of Israel. They put the palms in front of him. But then a few days later, they said, give us Barabbas. They killed him. Uh, at that time, again, Christ never officiated as king uh, on the throne. Now, uh, many of the Jews at that time, they really uh, wanted Christ to, to take the throne. 
Uh, They wanted Jesus to be Lord and conqueror, but he didn't. Uh, He understood prophetic timing. Uh, As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 5, I think it is, uh, yeah, 5, yeah, in in, in chapter 6, I'm sorry, in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, uh, there's an account where Jesus did miracles. He did the fish and, and the five loaves. He fed the 5,000. Uh, the scripture tells us down in verses, uh, verses number 13 uh, that when the people realized that Jesus was the Messiah or he was the king, the scripture said that Jesus perceived in his heart that the people would literally force him to be king at that time. And the Bible said that Jesus, he, he removed himself because he realized that if I stay here, these people are going to try to put me on the throne and it's not time yet. Although I am king of Israel, I have been called to, 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 to be king, but there's a divine order in which that's going to happen. Jesus came first to die and he rode in lowly on a, on a donkey. But I want to say something this afternoon, saints, uh, our, our Savior's donkey riding days are over. Uh, he's riding no more donkeys, saints. When he come back the next time, he was coming back as a man of war, and he will literally reign uh, upon the throne. I shared earlier again that as, uh, as he comes back, that second coming will produce this event called the Battle of Armageddon. This Battle of Armageddon will be an amazing battle because here, Christ is literally taking authority. He's going to shake the earth. He's going to come as a man of war. Uh, the scripture says that when Christ comes back at that time, he's coming back with fire in his eyes. The world has never seen Christ in this capacity. You know, we look at Christ and we think of him as, as being Mary's baby. We only see him in the manger, but we don't see Christ in this capacity. He's coming back as a man of war to take authority in the earth. And one other thing, too, I want to mention that when Christ comes in the second coming, he's coming back with his administration. That's going to be every one of us that was raptured. Uh, those of us that are raptured, glorified, we go up to Christ, go up with Christ. We go to the judgment seat of Christ. We go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. As the food digests, we mount up on horses, and then we'll come back down with Christ. But guess what, saints? The glorified saints are literally coming with Christ to go into his administration. Uh, we will be in key positions of rule to help Christ govern the world. Now, he's coming back with the glorified, and the reason why the glorified is coming with him, we will be like him. Uh, we will literally judge like him. We'll, uh, the sin nature will no longer be a part of our being. So therefore, at the second coming, when he comes back, we're going to literally come with him and then go into his government. Now, what I love so much is that as Christ comes back, he's going to set up that government. And I love this, that the world will literally worship him. Uh, he will truly be king of king and, and king of king and kings and lord of lords. The world will literally bow their knee to honor uh, Jesus Christ as king. He will officially sit on the throne of his father, David. And I, I, what I love so much is that we, the righteous, will literally be a part of, of this great event. Now, I must give you some different views in regards to the Millennial Kingdom because there are a number of views out there. So I want to give them to you uh, just in case you may bump into some who don't hold to a view of a a Millennial Kingdom. So let me give you a few of these views here. And the first one I want to give you is called the Ah Millennial View. And let me define it for you. The Ah Millennial interpretation is a denial that there will be a 1,000-year reign of Christ after his return to earth. At, uh, at, uh, uh, it is an all-millennial or a non-millennial view because it denies such a literal reign of Christ on the earth. 
This view was developed in 400, BC, 400 AD by St. Augustine. It was adopted by the Roman Catholic Church uh, in 431 AD at the Council of Ephesus. Uh, it's called the Amillennial view, meaning that there would not be a millennial reign. They don't believe that Christ will physically return to planet Earth. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, if Christ does not physically come back to planet Earth, you might as well throw your Bible away. Because listen, saints, uh, he will fulfill every jot and tittle. Uh, this one reason why he's coming, he's coming back to fulfill prophecy. Uh, as we shared earlier, I mean, he fulfilled uh, the first prophecies that brought him to the cross, where there are future prophecies that are also on his life that he will fulfill uh, as well. And again, we'll see that. Now, let's look at the next one. The next one's called the post-millennial view. This view basically suggests that the world will get better and better until the whole world is Christianized. It, uh, at, at which time Christ will return to a kingdom of peace. This view was, was, origin, was, was originated by uh, Daniel Whitby in 1638 to around 1726, a Unitarian in England. Although he was censored for, his, for some of his heretical views, many conservatives, theologians rapidly embraced and propagated his viewpoint uh, on the millennium. Now, this view, again, teaches that the world will basically get better and better. And in many that hold a view like that, uh, they believe that they can get into government and they can basically turn the world and make it a better, a better world. Well, I've got to tell you something, it won't happen uh, without Christ. God would not, uh, not allow any man to have that kind of glory. Uh, as a matter of fact, this... Um, the unstableness in the nation of Israel today is, is really by God's design. Uh, the world cannot have true peace unless the Messiah sits on the throne of peace. Uh, that's the only way, uh, you know, peace will actually take place in the world. Well, Christ must come back in order to stabilize. As a matter of fact, the scriptures literally predict that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, we can't make it better. I mean, man, uh, man has tried his humanistic way to bring in a, a, a utopia, but it never works. It, it never works. Uh, mankind can't do it. So uh, this post-millennial view is, is not a good view, and uh, we'll go a little further. Now, let's look at the pre-millennial view. Now, this is the view that I do hold and teach. This, uh, this view holds that Christ will return to earth literally and bodily before the millennial age began, and that by his presence, a kingdom will be instituted over which he will reign, and that all of Israel's covenants will literally, uh, will, will be literally fulfilled. It will continue for 1,000 years, uh, after which the kingdom will be given, I mean, the, the kingdom will be given by the Son to the Father uh, when, when it will be merged uh, with his eternal kingdom. Generally speaking, one's view of interpreting the scripture depends whether or not he or she is premillennialist. For, for the most part, all who believe the Bible to be literal are premillennialists. And again, uh, I want to just throw this in here. Uh, I do believe that the premillennial view is the right view. And the reason why this view stands the test of scripture it gives a clear and balanced perspective on God's end time program with, uh, uh, with, with, with clarity. It makes plain sense, plain sense of the scriptures. As a colleague once says, when the plain sense makes sense, there is no other sense unless you wind up with nonsense. And that's so true. Uh, many people hold crazy views, you know. Uh, some people teach that we're in the millennium now. I've met many people that, that hold that view. And I said, wait a minute, brother. I said, uh, we can't be in the millennium now. First of all, Christ is not ruling on the throne of David. 
we're going to see a little bit later that the millennial kingdom, God's going to change the whole nature uh, of our society, even the nature of the animals. Uh, the animal kingdom will change. Uh, the lion will lie down, you know, with the, you know, it won't, it won't, I, mean, the, I mean, the lion will, will eat straw. And uh, again, we're not in that millennial kingdom uh, yet, but it's coming. Uh, and again, we will experience a wonderful, wonderful event. Now, what I want to do here, I want to give you some promises of his reign. And there are some promises of his literal reign. So I want to give you some scriptures related to that. In the book of Acts chapter uh, 1, uh, verses 6 and 7, this was right after Jesus' uh, resurrection and uh, his ascension, right before he ascended. He spent time with his disciples. And what happened, the disciples literally thought, okay, Lord, you've died on the cross and you've been resurrected. And now you're with us. So, Lord, uh, at this time, are you going to set up the kingdom? Look at verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord... Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father have put in his own power. Now, the Jews, they did something um, that we do today, except we do the opposite of what they did. And let me explain what I mean by that. See, Israel, uh, they wanted the kingdom. They, they wanted the kingdom. They wanted Christ to bring in the kingdom. Now, Jesus came, first of all, to die, to give him eternal life, and then he would bring in the kingdom. Well, they had Christ. He died, but they wanted the kingdom. They, they longed for the kingdom and not Christ. Now, we do just the opposite today. You know what we do? Uh, you know, we, we want Christ, but we don't want his kingdom. We do just the opposite. We want Christ. But we don't, we don't want nothing to do with a physical reign of his kingdom. You know, we, we, you know, we look at, at, at Christ, but we have Christ today. He's seated in heavenly places. He's seated on the right hand of the Father. Uh, you know, uh, we, we are seated with him in heavenly places. The kingdom is here. And that is as far as we stop. We don't want a physical return. We don't want a physical kingdom. We don't want Jesus to come in and set up a physical government. But guess what, saints? He must physically reign in order to fulfill prophecy. Uh, the Jews had him, but they wanted the kingdom. We today uh, have him, but don't want the kingdom. And again, we're going to see as we go a little further. Let me give you, give you another one here. Look at this. Uh, all right. Okay, let's go. Here we go. Now, I love this verse here in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, I call Isaiah 9 uh, a holiday verse because that's the only time we really use this verse. Isaiah 9 verse 6 and 7. The Bible says here, for unto us a child is given. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The scripture says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, we know uh, based on verse uh, six, the Bible says, says here, for unto us a child is born, uh, for unto us a son is given. And we know I'm going to stop there uh, at Christmas time. We don't go any further with the prophecy. Uh, we look at Mary's baby. We see the, the baby in the manger and we see those things, but we never go further in the prophecy. We know that Christ came as a child. We know that, but we've never seen him. Uh, officiate as ruler. The Bible says here, the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, the uh, responsibility of, of, of ruling will literally be on Christ. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to reign on him. He's, he's going to be, be king. 
Well, again, this is a physical prophecy, a promise of his reign in the earth. And again, Christ will do it. Now, here's another one here, Zechariah chapter 14. Now, we, we use this all the time. This is a second coming text. Uh, this is a literal prophecy of him coming back to planet earth. Look at verse number four. It says, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the mount shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of the mountain toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like, like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord, my God, shall come, listen at this, and all the saints with thee. In the second coming, he's coming back with all the saints. But look at verse number nine. Verse number nine is a millennial verse. It goes into the millennium. The Bible says in verse nine, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day, there shall be one Lord and his name one. At the second coming, he's coming back to set up his government. And I love it, saints. We're going to be a part of that administration. Uh, We're going to be a part of what Christ is doing. Now, let me give you some prophecies showing you not only will Christ reign, but we, the saints, will literally rule and reign with him as well. And uh, I'm going to look here at Daniel chapter 7, verses 18 and 27. Verse 18 says, but the saints of the Most High shall uh, shall take the kingdom and and possess the kingdom forever and ever uh, and ever. Verse 27 says, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom, um, kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now, we do know, and I'd like to uh, let you know this, that although there's a thousand year reign, the, the, the thousand year reign really is a precursor to the eternal world. Uh, the rule and reign will literally start in that thousand years. As I go further, I'm going to share with you why God has put a time limit on the thousand year reign, but it's a precursor to the eternal world. And what's going to happen? We're going we're gonna to literally rule and reign with Christ uh, through the scriptures. Revelation chapter two, uh, two, uh, chapter 2, verse 26 and 27. This is a promise to the church. Listen to what he said. And he said, uh, uh, and, he, and he that overcometh, this is Jesus talking, he that overcometh and keep my works Unto the end, Jesus said, to him will I give power over the nation. This is a promise that we'll literally reign, we'll rule. If you overcome as a church, he said, I will give you power to rule and reign over nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. We will literally rule and reign with the Savior. Revelation 5.10, look at this. And have made us unto our God kings and priests. And listen at this. And we shall reign on the earth. We're going to literally reign on planet earth with Christ. We're going to literally rule and reign with him. And then last here, Revelation 20, verse 4, it says, And which, uh, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads, are in, the, uh, in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ 1,000 years. Now, this verse here, we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, in a little bit, but uh, this deals with the, the people who, who were martyrs in the tribulation. Uh, prior to the millennial kingdom beginning, God's going to resurrect them, and then they will literally uh, reign with us in this 1,000-year reign of Christ. So we'll move a little further. 
Now, let's look at the living conditions of the millennium. And again, there's so much you can talk about. I'm, I'm only going to hit a few things here, but this living conditions is really amazing in regards to what, you know, what Christ is going to do. The book of Isaiah chapter um, 65 tells us about the, about the nature of the animal kingdom. Look at Isaiah 65 verse 25. It says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain, said the Lord. Now, this is one way, saints, I know tonight, this afternoon, that we are not in the millennium. Because I'm from San Diego. We have the San Diego Zoo, world-famous San Diego Zoo. And uh, I go there and I can see those big old lions. And let me tell you something, you, you can't give these boys straw to eat. You throw some straw in there, they're going to make a bedding out of it. And they're going to they gonna move around and they're going to lay down on it. They won't eat any straw. You put some flesh in there, man, they will tear it up. So we, we know that we're not in the millennial kingdom, and that's one of those simple truths. I mean, but there are people that will literally debate you and try to make you believe that, that you know, again, that we're in the millennium. Here's another one, Isaiah eleven six. Look at this. He says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. I'm going to bring it in. The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb, uh, and the leper shall, uh, shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatlings together a little child shall lead them. The nature of the beast will be taken away. Christ will remove the nature of the beast. Uh, it's a precursor to the eternal world. Uh, a child will be able to to uh, to get on a most poison. I mean, play with a poison snake, and he won't be won't be bitten. Uh, uh, God's going to remove that uh, that nature to attack out of the beast. Again, just a precursor of what eternity is going to look like. I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've already put my request in. You know, uh, I, want me, I want me two lions. I'm asking for two good lions. And I'm going to take them lions with me into the new world. You know, I want me two lions. And uh, again, this, is, this, is, this, this will be for the redeemed. Here's another one. Zechariah 14, 16 says, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations... Uh, which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from one year, from sorry, from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacle. Uh, during the millennial kingdom, we'll go up from year to year and worship the Lord. A feast of Tabernacle, we'll celebrate and worship with the Lord. You know, it's going to be a beautiful time. I mean, just a wonderful time. But uh, we're going to see in a little bit, again, another thing that God's going to do right before that millennium begin. But these are some of the conditions that he's going to, he's going to affect uh, uh, in that millennial kingdom. And again, it's going to be uh, exciting. Now, we'll look at the actual scripture basis, but I want to share one other thing about the condition before I read this. Um, the Bible says in Isaiah 65, I think it's 22, that uh, long life will basically be given to man. I mean, uh, the scripture tells us that man will live as long as a tree. Uh, those that die in the millennium, uh, the Bible says some may die at the age of 100. Uh, they will be the ungodly who will die. Uh, but at the age of 100, they will literally be considered a child. Long life will be given to man in the millennium. The lifespan of man will go beyond 70 years, three score and 10. Uh, we will live as long as a tree. And those who died 100 will be considered a little child at that time. The millennium is going to be an amazing event for those that, that are part of it. So now, we're going to look now at the literal scriptural basis for the millennium. And I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you in to the book of Revelations, chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to begin to see the actual millennial count of the thousand year and what Christ is going to do here. Uh, first of all, we're going to start off here with the verse in chapter 20 of Revelation. Here, God is going to dispatch an angel. Uh, to bind the devil. Look at chapter 20, verse 1. It says, John says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, 
having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and, uh, and Satan, and bound him for 1,000 years. Now, when I first started studying prophecy, this was an amazing prophecy to, to read because it, it's letting me know that, that God dispatched an angel to bind the devil. Now, in verse 2 here, again, we see four different titles for the devil. The Lord wants us to know exactly who he's talking about and who's being bound at this time. Here it says that old serpent, he's a serpent again from the garden, remember, the one that tempted Adam and Eve or tempted Eve. Uh, he, uh, here we see the dragon. He's a dragon from Revelation chapter 12. Uh, and then here he's called the devil or the uh, accuser of the brethren, Revelation chapter 12. And then he's also called Satan or the adversary. Four different titles uh, dealing with who, who, who will be bound here. And what's so amazing here that God is going to dispatch an angel to bind the devil for 1,000 years. Uh, we'll see in a few seconds here why he's going to bind him. Uh, look at verse 3 of Revelation 20. It says, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose for a little season. Now, when I first started reading this, I said, Now, Lord, you're going to bind the devil for a thousand years, and then you're going to release him? I said, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, when you bind the devil, leave him bound. And the Lord says, son, I want you to read on. Keep reading the scriptures, and you're going to find out some things. Well, we're going to see things that God is up to something, even in the millennial kingdom. He's going to bind the devil for a period where Satan's influence will not be in the earth to deceive mankind. Uh, the sin nature of man will still be there. It won't affect the glorified. But the natural believers coming out of the tribulation, going into the millennial kingdom, uh, they will still be given in marriage and childbearing. Uh, their babies will still have the sin nature, and many of them will still sin. But Satan's influence would not be there. God would put them in a perfect environment. He's going to show man, listen, you, you want utopia? I'm going to give you a perfect environment, but I'm going to show you that uh, without Christ, you will still sin. Man's going to have a perfect environment, but he still will sin. And he would not be able to, uh, to blame it on the devil. But God's going to bind him for that short season. And again, what's amazing, too, that God would dispatch only one angel to bind the devil. You know, it's not a, not a whole legion of angels. Just one angel can bind the devil and throw him in the pit. I like that part. I want to quote here uh, Dr. Finnis Dake from his book, God's Plan, for the, God's Plan for Man. Listen to what he says. He says, this angel will lay hold on Satan, will overpower him by actual combat. Bind him with a great chain, cast him into the abyss where he will be there for 1,000 years. Uh, seal, uh, set a seal upon him or literally seal the abyss over him to keep him there so he cannot deceive the nations until the millennium is over. The millennium is over. Thus, we see that Satan is a literal person. His doom is literal. He is, he is, he is to be bound by a literal uh, uh, angel with a literal chain cast into a literal abyss and seal with a literal seal for the period or the duration of the millennial kingdom. The enemy will be bound and cast into that prison again for 1,000 years. So it's going to be wonderful uh, not to have the enemy uh, during that time, but he's going to be bound. Now, let's go to verse 4. We're still in chapter 20, almost done. Still in chapter 20. Verse 4 says, John says, and I saw thrones 
and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads, uh, are, in, uh, are in their hands. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, I mentioned earlier, again, these were those who died in the tribulation. Prior to this thousand-year beginning, God will resurrect them. They'll be glorified. And guess what? They're going to rule and reign with us as well. Now, the Bible says here that these people, uh, they died basically for their testimony. They didn't take the mark of the beast. They didn't worship the Antichrist. God's going to resurrect them, and they will literally reign with us in the millennial kingdom. The verse goes on in verse number five. It says, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years are fi- were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are, uh, is he that have part in the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him 1,000 years. Now, again, it's going to be an awesome time. Even those that died in Christ in the tribulation will be resurrected. The Bible said that these are part of what's called the first resurrection. Now, many people have gotten that term mixed up. Uh, and they, they, they try to, you know, twist it. But the first resurrection, it's an all-inclusive resurrection that literally started with the resurrection of Christ. Christ Jesus was the first begotten unto God. He was the first to rise eternally in a physical body. Uh, the rapture saints will rise from the dead. The two witnesses will rise from the dead. Now we have uh, saints who died in the tribulation. They will rise from the dead. But all of us that have died in Christ will, will, will literally rise, rise from the dead with Christ. And the Bible calls that the first resurrection. But it says this. But the rest of the dead, in other words, there are still some people that are dead in the earth during the millennial kingdom. The rest of the dead will not live until the millennium is over. And what's going to happen, saying this will literally be the last resurrection. At the close of the millennial kingdom, God will have one last resurrection, but it will be the resurrection of the damned. They will literally be raised from the dead. The Bible said they're raised unto damnation. And it's going to be uh, really, really bad for those because they, they are raised to go before the white throne judgment. God would judge them and then they would be cast into the lake of fire. So uh, blessed are those that are part of the first resurrection on such the second death or the lake of fire will have no power. Now we're almost done. Let's go a little bit further here. We're getting down to verse number seven of chapter 20. Verse, verse seven. Let's go back. All right, verse 7 says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the, in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather to them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And he went out on the breadth or the width, width of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured him or devoured them. Uh, in, in this last resurrection, what's going to happen? God literally is going to allow the influence of the devil to come back into the earth. And what it's going to do is literally going to be like God's sifter. God's going to expose the hearts of men who really don't want to worship and honor him during this millennial kingdom. You say, now, you say, now, Brother Perkins, 
You mean to tell me they're going to have Christ here in the earth and men will not want to worship him? That is correct. The sin nature will still be there. And again, many people, even at this time, Christ will be there. And over a duration of 1,000 years, many people may not be sensitive to the whole event that took place uh, prior to us getting there. Uh, for whatever reason, many people's hearts will literally... Uh, not really honor Christ and God will allow Satan's influence to come back into the earth and many people's hearts will literally be exposed. Now, what's amazing to me about this particular prophecy, though, the Bible says when Satan's influence is released in the millennial kingdom, uh, his influence will deceive a number which is like the sands of the sea. That's a lot of people. You're going to have thousands, probably billions uh, being deceived, but these are those are these th- these will be people uh, who didn't honor Christ during the millennial kingdom. The Bible even tells Zechariah that some nations would not come to worship Christ at that time, and He would not allow rain to fall upon their lands. It's amazing, but God's going to allow this sifter to take place. Now, I want to quote uh, Dr. Reagan because I think he gives a really good analysis on this in his book God's Plan for the Ages. If you don't have this book, I would encourage you to get it. Because uh, he gives a good analysis of what's going to happen. He said, God is going to prove this point by using the millennium like an like a experimental laboratory. He is going to place mankind in a perfect environment of peace and prosperity for 1,000 years. Satan will be bound. Righteousness will abound. He goes on to say, yet at the end when Satan is released... Most people will rally to him when he calls the nations to rebellion against Jesus Christ. The millennium will prove that what man needs is not a new society, but a new heart. And literally, that's exactly what's going to happen. Men uh, will, even in the millennial kingdom, they will not want to honor Christ. And God's going to allow the influence of the enemy to come back in like a sifter. And their hearts will be exposed, and then every one of them will literally be judged. But this millennial kingdom is an amazing, um, amazing event. Now, I love this last part here, verse 10 of chapter 20. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, saints. The Bible says here, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I love this prophecy because this is the prophecy of Satan's judgment. This is the demise of the devil. You know, uh, I've mentioned many times that when I was a young child growing up, I was always taught that I should never study the book of Revelation because uh, I would lose my mind if I studied it. And what happened when I became a Christian, even though I was a Christian, I would never go into the book of Revelation. I had a fear of it. And now, you know, the Lord has such a wonderful sense of humor. He called me to teach Bible prophecy. And I said, you know, God, it's amazing to me. You called this little fellow who was afraid of Revelation to study it. But what I found out, I found some some powerful truths about this wonderful book. And here's one of those amazing truths that I found out. The devil did not want me to study Revelation because it shows the, the end of the devil. He didn't want me to preach uh, his, his end. And what I do now, saints, when the devil started messing in my life and family, I start, I start prophesying to him. I start quoting Revelation 20, verse 10. I remind the devil of his eternal uh, end. And again, God's going to judge him. Now, I'm going to close up with this here, the, the reasons for the millennial kingdom. And this just bullet points here. Uh, we're going to bring them in. Uh, at the, uh, as, as a result of it, Christ will come and be king over the earth. He will rule the world uh, at this time. Uh, he will remove Satan's influence in the earth. 
he would show mankind that he, still, he would still sin without a devil. Uh, the knowledge of Christ will literally fill the whole, whole world. And it's going to be awesome, man. We'll still be learning in the millennium. I love that. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, also, uh, uh, the saints will literally reign with Christ. Uh, Israel will, will actually experience the full covenant. There's just so much that will be the, the benefit of this wonderful time. And then true peace in Jerusalem. You know, uh, the Bible commands us in Psalms 122.6. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. You know, I really believe, saints, that when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are literally praying for the millennial kingdom. Because that's the only time Israel will literally experience a peace. Uh, right now, all we have now is photo ops for presidents. Uh, every president, you know, uh, that's come along, they, they're going to solve the Middle East crisis. But what happened, all they have is a photo op with the, with the current administration and nothing happened. Before the ink dries, uh, war breaks out. God would never allow man to have that kind of glory to stabilize that region. Uh, we know based on Zechariah's prophecy, that region is unstable by God's design because it's going to bring glory to Christ when he stabilizes it. Where Jerusalem will experience a lasting peace uh, because of the Savior. So this millennial kingdom is an awesome time. It's an awesome event. Uh, again, I just barely touched the surface of it. But this is a wonderful teaching that every born-again believer here will literally be a part of. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I can't wait for the millennial kingdom. Lord, to literally be here with you as you uh, govern the world. Lord, I don't know what place I would be in, but somewhere, Lord, I, I will literally rule and reign. Lord, whatever capacity that you put me in, Lord, I would be honored to serve you in your government. But, Lord, I thank you. And, Lord, I look forward to this day. Now, Lord, thank you, Lord, for what you have revealed in your scriptures. And we love you and we give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good, saints? Hallelujah. Thank you, Doc.